0: Hello and welcome to episode 6 of the Real Recognize Real podcast. This is the second part of a two-part series on what the 2020 Oscar nominations might have looked like if films could only receive one Oscar nomination. Last time I looked at Best Picture, Best Director, Original Screenplay, and Adapted Screenplay, and this time we're going to finish it off by looking at the four acting awards sort of as a block. It's going to be a little bit different from the previous episode. I'm just going to rattle off the 16 nominees category by category. I'm going to group them by a general theme instead of going through them one by one and just rattling off the same thing for the next 40 minutes. So, without further ado, Best Actor, Joaquin Phoenix and Joker, Eddie Murphy in Dolomite Is My Name, Adam Sandler in Uncut Gems, Tara Egerton in Rocketman, Antonio Banderas in Pain and Glory. Best Actress, Cynthia Erivo in Harriet, Elizabeth Moss in Her Smell, Mary Kay Place in Diane, Alfred Woodward in Clemency, and Gugu Mbatha-Raw in Fast Color. Supporting Actor, Joe Pesci in The Irishman, Jamie Foxx in Just Mercy, Robert Pattinson in The King, Tom Hanks, Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, and Anthony Hopkins in The Two Popes. Supporting actress, Jennifer Lopez in Hustlers, Kate McKinnon in Bombshell, Annette Benning in The Report, Taylor Russell in Waves, and Lauren Spencer in Give Me Liberty. Now, the first group I'm going to talk about is the performances I haven't seen. I really can't say much on these because I haven't actually seen the films that these performances are in. So, apologies to Cynthia Erivo, Elizabeth Moss, Mary Kay Place, Alfie Woodward, Jamie Foxx, Taylor Russell, and Lauren Spencer. I can't really say a whole ton about these performances, but these were performances that were getting love from other places, like Critics Awards. And they're also kind of the point of the experiment from a broader perspective. Limiting films to getting one Oscar nomination would force voters to look deeper into the screener pile instead of just looking at the films that are simply Best Picture contenders, and spreading the 125 or so nominations around to, you know, 10 or 15 films by and large. And it would lead to more interesting nominations lists, like the Best Actress category, or more obscure films like Fast Color, or Clemency, or Give Me Liberty, getting the recognition that these films might deserve. The second broader category among these 16 is good performances in mediocre to terrible films. In this category are Joaquin Phoenix, Adam Sandler, basically the rest of the Supporting Actor category, and Annette Bennett. You get a bunch of these every year, and I have very particular thoughts about all of these films... But the idea that these performances were good, but the broader movies weren't, is sort of the thing that ties them together. Uncut Gems, stress-inducing but ultimately forgettable. The Irishman, God, I could go on. I wrote the review, go read it. It's an hour and a half too long, and the VFX is terrible, but Joe Pesci's great in it. A Beautiful Day, just no... If you think Joker is a great movie, uh, watch more movies, I guess. There are hundreds upon hundreds of movies that say what the movie is trying to say, but do it in a better way. Um, The Two Popes. The hell was that cinematography? The King. Pattinson's really the only memorable performance in that film, because it's so goddamn weird. Uh, Just him doing the accent was just... It was memorable. I hated the character, and that was sort of the point. But he, Sandler, and Phoenix are sort of in the subcategory of I would have forgotten about this film if not for this performance. And the same thing can be said with Annette Benning, where she's really good in the report, but the report is basically a two-hour Wikipedia article, and you can only go so far with that. These performances stand out and are worthy of recognition in some form, but that's about as far as I'm willing to go with in respect to many of these films. Uh, the notable exception here is probably Joker with Hildur Gwenda De score. It is incredible and it may win the Oscar and it is well deserving that, of that. But even in this broad crop of films, that's really the only other thing that I thought was worthy of an Oscar nomination. The third group in this category is, oh my god, this person practically is the film. These are Taron Egerton and Rocketman, Eddie Murphy and Dolomite Is My Name, Antonio Banderas in Pain and Glory, and Jennifer Lopez in Hustlers. These are performances that no other actor could have given. Just plain and simple. The thing about these performances is that they are perfect storms. Right actor, right director, right script, right time. Edgerton just sort of became Elton John. You listen just even to the soundtrack, divorced from the actual image. He just sounds like Elton. He sang on all of the tracks in the actual movie, and he just does such a good job of really just convincing you that you are watching this Elton John, he is so good in this role that you really just can't imagine anybody else doing it at this point in time. And the same thing can be said for Jennifer Lopez and Hustlers. You can, even if you showed me a picture of the actual Ramona, I would still have Jennifer Lopez in my mind as that person, as that character. And just the way the script is written and the way... The way Lopez performs that character, she is in control the entire time, and that's what the script needed, and she just pulls it off so well. And Eddie Murphy just has this energy that only he can bring, and that only he brought to this character, and he just is the sun around which the rest of that film orbits, and Dolomite Is My Name is just this perfect concert of almost everything. Everything and it, everything just kind of works in that film, and he is a big reason why. Now, the two I have not talked about are Gugu Mbatha-Raw in Fast Color and Kate McKinnon in Bombshell. I'm going to leave Fast Color for last because nobody talked about Kate McKinnon in Bombshell, even though she's like low key the best part of the movie. She plays maybe even, like, fifth or sixth fiddle to Charlize Theron, Colt Kidman, Margarabi, and maybe even John Lithgow. But her character is so interesting, and she plays it so convincingly that there's an entirely different film that could have been made that's from that character's perspective, from the perspective of a liberal Hillary supporter in Fox News, and I think that the part that made me realize that the most is the film's ending, where Margot Kayla, she throws off her badge and throws it in the trash and walks out and leaves her dream job at Fox News. But Kate McKinnon's character is still there, and she's a sharp contrast to Kayla, because Kayla is this arch-conservative, evangelical type of person, and we have Kate McKinnon's character who is a lesbian Hillary supporter and she is the one that's stuck and that she portrays that sort of tension in my opinion, at least so wonderfully in the film. And she just got no recognition for really what I think is her best dramatic role. And Google, but the raw in fast color portrays just, an entirely different type of tension. Even though like only 800 people have seen Fast Color, I'm still going to talk about it, because this performance is just so wonderful, and it touched me in such a very specific way. Last episode, I talked about how Honey Boy really got to me personally like it was putting my direct experience up on screen, and I felt a similar but not exactly the same feeling when watching Gugu Mbatha-Raw in Fast Color. The basic concept of the film, for those of you who haven't seen it, is Gugu Mbatha-Raw plays a woman in the American Midwest whose seizures cause earthquakes, and she is on the run from scientists, and the only place she can go is to her mother's house. And it's revealed that that raws character has a daughter who lives with her mother, played by Lorraine Toussaint. And the thing that links them all together is they all have superpowers. The mother and the daughter can both tear objects down to the atom and reassemble them. But, as we see later on in the film, that is not what Gugu mbatha character can do. And the whole concept of the film is she's in this environment, learning to control her powers years after this, some undefined traumatic event. And we sort of learn that her powers are not quite the same as the mother and the daughter. they I won't spoil it, but they're different. And the film delves deeply into how this one particular but very important difference affects their family dynamic and affects how they see each other even though they each have many more things in common as compared to this one crucial difference. And As a disabled dude, that touched me very deeply, because that idea of being similar but so very, very different in crucial ways is something that's at the forefront of my mind whenever I'm dealing with my family, and it just—there's this this disconnect that the film— Portrays between Gugu Mbatha-Raw's character and her mother and her daughter that just felt it felt very that just felt very real and very genuine to my experience as somebody with a crucial difference compared to the rest of his family, and not and it's not one that. I can learn to control and master and manipulate and it's not a superpower but it still is a very crucial difference and that really that really got to me as as a person and she just handles all of that weight that the script puts on her and she she handles it so so well and just so wonderful and it should have been much more of a, not just like an awards contender, Just it should just be a bigger thing in general. There should be more, you know, discussion about this film, both online and in the real world, and just this film needs to be much bigger than it actually was. And that's part of the reason why I'm putting it here, is because it is sort of the, it's the er example for what this thought experiment might engender in terms of forcing people to talk about a lot of different films and forcing people to reckon with what actually makes a good movie and what is worth remembering. Because to me, something like Fast Color is very personally worth remembering. And it's something that, people like me can turn to, and at least in some weird, warped way, explain ourselves. And to me, that's the power of movies, is we can see ourselves on screen, and we can see ourselves in the million different characters and the million different time periods and people and places that that films can offer us and for the academy this supposed you know arbiter of what makes american cinema great to constantly focus on the same eight or nine films it's just kind of a shame and something like this at least gives might give us a glimpse of what a a better system might look like. Thank you so much for listening. See you on the flip side.